Hello, you're listening to Potaholics and the We Will Fix It show with Colin Thomas from We Will Fix It Dubai and Essential Maintenance Dubai. And every now and then about this time of the week, whatever time of that week it is for you, which makes it the perfect time, we talk about DIY, we talk about repairs, we talk about things you need to be thinking about in your house, in your apartment, in your living space to keep it tip top. And also in the the era of COVID-19, how to keep yourself occupied. No one better to get on the line than Colin Thomas, because he can solve pretty much everything. Colin, we're back. How are you? That's a heck of an introduction. And I wish my wife thought the same thing. (laughs) I get branded as absolutely utterly useless. And for anything practical around the house, you're kind of right. You know, I have to be told to do things. But the one bit I can do generally is maintenance. That bit I've got. But general day-to-day how to be a good, useful husband around the house during the COVID-19 issue, I wouldn't say I've excelled myself. Well, you know what? Then this is the redeeming hour of the week where you get to do that and get to get to have a little fun along the way as well. If only she'd listen, but she basically thinks, I have you droning on at me 24-7, and on that basis, the last thing that I want to do is hear your voice for any longer. So she point blank refuses to ever listen to these. Sometimes the kids do, which is interesting. Oh, very interesting. um, Yeah, yeah. And I hope in, we spoke about this before, didn't we, that I hope in future years, like I did with my my dad, whenever he did um, anything publicity-wise, I really hope that the kids do listen to all these at some point in the future. I, I think we're talking vital education anyway. And I, I you know, my, our goal is to just get everyone listening. And I, I, as I always say, great entertainment, great information and great ed- education all packaged into one. And this is, this is like a, a, a maker's, a maker's, you know, love to be able to sort of have a conversation about tools, have a conversation about problems, have a conversation about how to fix it and to brainstorm along the way. I mean, this is, this is the best you could get in a podcast. It's everything for everyone. Yeah, there we go. Well, I'm going to tell the other four that now. I'm really sorry, but you come second fiddle. We've got everything in ours. Everything. Hey, I keep get I keep getting it from Jenna because she listens to the other podcasts and then sends me messages quibbling about comments that I'm making in other podcasts. And <laughs> and and then and then she has this wonderful doctor friend. She sends me a, a wonderful image of this guy. He is like, you know, him and I could basically be brothers. You know, I mean, that's the 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 the, the way he presents himself and the way he does everything we're basically brothers and, and so I kind of said man that guy's a real nut job and uh, she she just tore I, I'm, I still have no backside she tore it off me I had to write her back and say I, I meant that in, in an endearing way <laughs> she's I think you misinterpreted is he, is things like a is he just a mental doppelganger or is he is there any physical similarity as well? Uh, you know, we kind of look a little similar too, actually, except he's got a beard yeah. and he's from the UK. But I, I think we have a similar physique and uh, he's he's just, he he actually probably makes me look pretty tame. You know, it's, it's kind of interesting. But I think if we were in the same room together, oh, it would be an absolute, yeah, it would be a wow. <laughs> I think we would riff right off each other really easily. So I think we're going to start podcasting. I think that's the, that's good. That's going to have to happen. (laughs) 
That's a great idea. But, you know, you should, um, for that one, I think you should just not give yourself a subject yeah. and just have it as like the um, the convergence of minds. There we go. You know? yeah. That would be fascinating. <laughs> Throw you two in a room with no subject. Yeah, that would be interesting. It could either be just an hour of silence or it would just go off in all sorts of wild and wacky directions. That's, that's a distinct possibility. <laughs> I'm pretty sure it would be the latter. <laughs> well, on that Definitely note, way. we need to kick off and it's this time of the, the podcast. 10 minutes with Colin. Where are you taking us today? So the 10 minutes with Colin today is actually all down to you because I got this amazing video that you sent me, which actually I thought looked a bit apologetic over the fact that you just had this enormous gusher that had come out of your wall. Maybe you can tell us a bit more about that. Well, I, and that's kind of in... Well, I, I, what happened, James? So here, here's, here's the deal. I, I was in my little storage room, which is a washroom essentially for a maid's room but i don't have a maid and i use the maid's room as a, a little office but the washroom i've never used in 20 years so it really is a storage cabinet and unfortunately the washroom has all of the facilities in it that i've never used so i keep the toilet bowl filled because i don't want any you know odor coming through it but it never gets used which means there are all of the sink and the bidet attachments are all there and so the other day i open up the door and i'm looking i'm going huh that's kind of weird there's a little bit of water on the tile floor and I'd already had the, the We Will Fix It guys come in and fix a valve that, that was in there, a master valve that, that goes for the washing machine. Excellent. So I look at that and I think, oh, maybe it, I just need to tighten it up. And no, it's all, all fine. And so then I'm looking, I'm saying, well, where would this water be coming from? So, you know, use logical deduction. And I look at all the connections and I notice the bidet sprayer hose, which kind of looks like if, if folks are listening from North America, kind of looks like what you have in your kitchen sink to wash off your, your plates and things. You kind of pull it out. You've got a little extension. You got that hose and you, you squeeze the end and it fires water out. So I notice that that valve is leaking. So I think, oh, okay, well, you know what? I'll just turn it off. Well, I give it a good turn and it's not really turning. So I give it a little bit more of a reef and the whole valve breaks off in my hand. <laughs> so at this moment, I'm, all I'm seeing is all of the pressure of this water firing at me and everything that's in this closet storage space. And I'm just going, ah! and so I, I, I you know, as, after the initial shock subsides, which was like in two seconds, I then quickly start turning off the new valve that the We Will Fix It guys put in for me doggone that valve's got a lot of play in it it took a long time to get it off but i just turned it off and then i realized oh okay and that, my first thought was okay i can just leave this like this forever i don't use it it's not a big deal and then i realized very quickly oh i do need to do washing my clothes and it does it is the feed for the washing machine so then i'm thinking well i guess i could just wire up my uh my standby technique again then i thought you know i better give you guys a call and get them in to fix this and it was it, it was just interesting because when i i looked at it it was just purely corroded away this entire over 20 years this valve just gave way which made me start thinking about all the other valves like this around the house that if you touch them they could just blow so now i'm, I'm tempted to get them all replaced and some of them just never touch but that was that was my dilemma so yeah this is one of the issues that we have here which is um 
basically our water is all desalinated, which is where it all starts from. And they get it down to perfectly acceptable levels for consumption. Mm. Um, and in fact, the quality of water here in Dubai is better than in most places around the world, which is a bit of a, um, a surprise for a lot of people. But um, I've had conversations with a uh, technical boffin. Uh, he's a, um, the ex-boss of Oasis Water here and now um, has set up his own uh, his own company. He says, literally, you would not believe how good our water actually is here mm. until you get to storage. Um, but it does have probably a little bit of a higher salt content than, um, than in some areas of the world. Um, as a result of that, the main issue is you will get this corrosion that happens from the inside outwards, which eventually will weaken the unit yeah. and from there these th these things will happen i mean 20 years is great that is a really good period for one of these taps to uh, last from we call them angle valves as the uh, okay. the technical yeah. words for this um but it's one of those scenarios where people don't think about water as um an issue until something dramatic happens <laughs> and it's normally either that gusher out of the wall no water or water coming down through the ceiling. Those are the three scenarios at which you would call somebody about water. But the nuts thing is, as a, as a provider, if you can imagine, we get this eight, ten times a day. Eight, you've got ten times a day? Yeah, that um, you have people that have just been utterly showered in water, and in many instances, they don't even know how to turn it off. So you get this mad panic phone call of, oh my God, my house is about to go underwater. And believe it or not, this happened to Dan the day before yesterday, my business partner. Yeah. This happened to him. Thank goodness he does know how to isolate. Um, but it was, uh, it was one where, and he's had it really bad because his was a toilet spray upstairs that failed. He'd left the pressure on, which was not something we recommend anyway. He'd left the pressure on, the toilet spray hose blew, and he was downstairs, and it had been downstairs for quite a while, and he realized there was a problem as the water started coming down the staircase. Oh, no. Uh, yeah. So yesterday, I gave him my, um, my spray extraction machine just to, to, to go through all the – he's got some carpets in his daughter's room as well that he's had to try and dry out as best he can. And uh, he's got a stunning laminate floor um, that got put down when he moved in. And uh, it looks okay so far, but there is a chance that that's going to bow as well. But it's just the implications. And, you know, the failures are always what your angle valve is. It's a part that's like 50 dirhams worth. And Dan's spray hose is about the same. Yet the implications are thousands, yeah. which is where the issue really lies. But water, it's one of those things where it's a safety, it's a safety scenario. And so from our perspective, um, you know, it, one of the, actually one of the things that I really like about the current COVID-19 situation was um, the Dubai Economic Department realized immediately that water is critical and therefore suppliers like ourselves who can help in these situations have been given not just access but support. Mm. Um, something that came out of the blue to us last night was Dubai Economic Department put out a, um, a post last night with recommended maintenance contractors, and we were on that list. Wow. Six of us in the whole of um, Dubai, and we have no idea how they got our, uh, our details. You know, we, we obviously do everything that we need to, but um, so kind of them to put it out to everybody um, that we will fix it on one of their approved suppliers. So um, we were really chuffed by that. 
Um, but it is, it's this critical nature of it. Now, one of the things that I've been seeing um, a huge amount of is um, the message first thing in the morning from various developments with people saying, I've got no water. Are you all the same? Uh-huh. And this is coming, it's a very much a development type, um, uh, type scenario. And what's actually happened here is either the individual concerned if they know what's going on or alternatively um the scenario where at some point in the past maybe when they were tenants or maybe not they've had a water pump failure and instead of the landlord repairing that water pump instead they've put them on the dewa bypass oh so that way the dewa bypass has been operating directly to their homes and it's caused all sorts of problems I didn't even know that was possible. That happens in some developments. Are you there? James? I am here. You're not hearing me. Yes. Yeah, so uh, uh, my connection's a bit dodgy here, James. Can you still hear me? Okay. I can. I can hear you perfectly well. So you just keep talking and uh, pretend. I can hear you. Uh, okay. Well, that's something. Good news. So yeah, the developments themselves. What's happening is they're being directly connected to the Dewa supply. And the whole point in Dubai of having um, the storage tanks and a pump to actually produce water is to give you constant pressure inside your home. Because Dewa, there are all sorts of things that happen with the Dewa pipes, everything from when everybody has just had a shower in the morning, so that therefore all the tanks are filling up, the pressure of Dewa will go down to less than half a bar. Wow. And less than half a bar means you might get a dribble downstairs, but you're going to get very little upstairs. Obviously, Dewa have a lot of work to do on their their networks as a standard thing. Any any um, water provider would, so they will isolate that water for you um, when they're working on it because they know that everybody has a tank and therefore will be fine for the four or six hours that it will take them to uh, to do the work. So therefore, they'll isolate it, and sometimes they won't even let you know. But what happens is that shows up any property that is directly connected to Dewa, and again, that is not something that is allowed here in Dubai, um, and it causes exactly this type of issue. And when somebody doesn't have water, it immediately becomes an emergency, mm. and hence the problems that people are seeing. And it is widespread. It's, it's a constant. Um, and I really wish that um, that people would have uh, more of an understanding, and especially landlords, I must say, would have more of an understanding of, A, uh, what is allowed here in Dubai, and secondly, that water systems need to be maintained. So this this becomes a real challenge. So what what do you suggest I do as if I'm moving into my a, a new apartment or a new villa, a new a new home? Should I do that inspection right away of the water system just to make sure that it the pumps are working and that and that I have uh, a decent connection that it's not that's not coming direct from Dewa? Is that something that is possible? If it was me when I'm moving in somewhere. Um, I always have the same scenario, which is my alarm bells ring if there is no Dewa within the property. Mm. If there is no Dewa within the property, I would immediately say to a landlord, look, when I turn this Dewa on, if there are any problems whatsoever, I want it written in the contract that you will deal with it inside 24 hours or else there will be a penalty, which will be put me up into a hotel and uh, at that stage you can rectify it and you can pay for my hotel. Now, the reality is, quite often, the landlord will say, you must be kidding me. But in this market, 
they should be walking away. There are huge, huge stocks available right now, and you can find another property, but it gives you a real indication as to whether or not you've got a, uh, a decent landlord or not. Mm. So it, 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 the, your last message on water, Colin, would be? Make sure that it is checked out by uh, a quality provider. If you're moving in somewhere new, make sure the D-Work is on if you can and make sure that you have somebody who doesn't just check the water, but you can get somebody in very quickly to check the ACs and any other issues before you move in there. So that way you know what you're moving into. There we go. And that is... 10 Minutes with Colin! (laughs) I love that. And I suspect you don't hear that intro on your side of this, do you? As I'm playing out things. I hear a little squeak on my side. That's the wonders of lockdown, isn't it? Oh man, Uh, I'm going to be very interested in hearing how Dan's situation pans out because as I was getting my own angle valve sorted, that was my biggest fear. I just said, wow, if this had happened in the summer when I'm not here or, you know, my wife said, we don't actually go into that storage room very often. So if it had been spraying for a week, maybe, and, and I said to her, even worse, there's a drain in the room. So it might have just been constantly draining and I never would have noticed it until I heard it or if something came out. I thought, can you imagine? It could have been doing this for weeks. <laughs> it would have been horrible. I told, I told you about that place in Jumeirah Islands from years ago that we went into six weeks after a leak had started. Oh, yes. The family was away and their next door neighbor only actually um, saw the water when it came down the driveway. Yeah. And this was an upstairs, it was the worst scenario. It was a bathroom that wasn't just upstairs, but it was the furthest away from the staircase. So it went all the way through the upstairs, down the staircase, flooded the downstairs, went under the front door, down, <laughs> literally down the driveway before anybody even knew about it. And we walked in and it was literally, it was a hazmat situation. So uh, we got fully, fully suited and uh, respirated. And when we went in just to do an initial survey, our rough estimation was three quarters of a million to put that right. Wow. At that point, it's a teardown. It's a teardown. Start again. It it, it was literally a failure of uh, an item that was 20, 30 dirhams. Yeah. Yeah. It, and, and we forget about those things. And and sometimes I was kind of kicking myself saying, you know, I've got these angle valves all over my place. It's 20 years old. They all essentially either need to have isolation isolators put on them or have them replaced, but it needs to, it's something that's going to need to be done because any of them could fail at any time because they're all the same age. So they've all got the same condition uh, going on inside of them. I think that's a really good idea, James. And the other thing is, before they they break as such or break off, um, you've got more chance of being able to just screw them out. Yeah. Um, which would and and doing that as a preventative measure, if you were to tell your landlord, look, the first one has gone, they are all going to go, and it's a job where he can actually use his guys. Yeah. You might end up with a um, the nasty scenario of a particular area that is. Um, has got a problem and a major problem for for a period. But again, it doesn't have to be a major expense or a major urgency Mm. uh, if you were doing that. And the the parts cost is minimal. It's not dramatic at all um, if you do it as a preventative measure. 
So landlords really should, and especially on older properties like yours, landlords should just invest that little bit to keep them reliable because the the implications can be dramatic. Yeah, I and I, I you know I'm fortunate that I have a decent landlord. It's same same family for 20 years. We we kind of laugh and and say you know we don't own in in the UAE. We do rent and we must have paid for this building at least a couple times over given the in, when it was made and that was a very different uh, you know real estate environment then you know, and, and we don't complain. So, you know, we do a lot of the repairs ourselves or get someone else in. We don't necessarily use his own service all the time and we keep the, we keep the property up. So he, I think he's got to be laughing uh, in that, you know, the, the unit beside us has gone through, I think it's had three tenants over 20 years, maybe four. That's amazing as well. Yeah. Well, because he's a good landlord. So, you know, he, he treats his, he treats his, his tenants very well and he, he, he's very happy with his property. So we're very lucky in that sense. Yes. Oh, one thing on that job, before you do it, test out the isolators in every room. Oh, yes. (laughs) I know you've got that historic issue with that, um, the isolator in the, uh, the mage room there, but check all the others yeah. first. Uh, and that way you know whether or not you're going to have the emergency before they've even started the work. What what we've been lucky with, Colin, with the isolators is the isolators, we've had to use them when we've had uh, hot water tank issues. So I've, in some cases, I've had to turn off the isolator valve. So most of them, I think, there's one room I haven't tested one recently, but we usually give them a nice turn in each way just oh, to make correct. sure they're working. So, but oh, yeah. Excellent. So, but that other room where, where we had the, the fault, we just never used it ever. Like none of those, none of those valves were were ever turned on and off they were just running all the time so it was free flow interesting yeah, <laughs> hey we wanted to pick up our conversation from last week it's this is really the the world according to colin and we we talked kitchens last week which was kind of fun because i did participate in the writing of the time life or the re the revision of the time life home repair and improvement series when i lived in montreal at saint remy multimedia yes. great group of people who are working there and we were contracted from time life to revise their entire do-it-yourself book series and one of the books we worked on i worked on as an assistant editor was was the the kitchens and baths book but we and and so it was kind of fun talking last week about that it brought back a lot of memories and and the, the crazy thing about that book was Every image we used in the book, because we redid all of the imagery, we built all of, we had a, we had a warehouse where we built everything. So if we did something with putting together a kitchen, we built a kitchen. If we were doing washrooms, we built the washroom. And, And it was funny because they would take pictures of, you know, how you're holding the hammer or how you're holding the wrench or how you're doing things. And then they would animate them. So then they would have a, they would have the artist come in, take the picture and then draw it, draw it out. So, so it's kind of funny when you look at those books, because in some cases, they also have the people who were doing it and they just animated them. So you can actually see yourself in the books. So that was kind of fun, <laughs> <laughs> but based on, so based on last week, we talked about this whole kitchen that you're, you're building and getting renovated and, and really designing because there isn't one. And we talked about yeah. all, all sorts of issues that one has to confront when they think about changing the configuration of a kitchen or deciding what they're going to put in a kitchen, etc. And, and in that, at the end of that conversation, you did mention that you've gone through a similar you're going through a similar experience with designing your outdoor space and designing the backyard and i we we 
started today's conversation. What was it we were going to talk about? And yes, and I can't remember, could we? No, but at the end of last our last show, you started going through all of the things that you had to start thinking about in the backyard from because there's nothing. There's no lighting. There's no shrubbery. There's no all the spaces. It's brand new. It's it's like the the best and the worst situation you can have because you get to dream it all up as you want. But you've also got to think about how it's going to practically be put in place and, and, and what the wish list costs will actually be. So I thought, wouldn't this be a great opportunity to walk through some of the thought process and the decision-making process you've had to make? And, and as you said, you're probably up to about the sixth revision of this plan. For folks, I think we signed off at eight. Oh, you signed end. off at eight. So even yes. better. So this becomes, I mean, so many people move into new homes. They move into new new environments. They've or they come into a place where they're that it's been just let go. So they've got a, an opportunity to rethink it and redo it. And there's lots of little things to consider. So I thought, why don't we walk through step by step? what you've been doing and touch on some of the points that people need to consider as they start thinking about the design of their outdoor space. Um, it's been, it's been fascinating. I've got to say, um, but we've been really lucky as well because our landlord is, um, a very prominent businessman here in Dubai. And amongst other things, he owns an incredible landscaping company to give you an idea. They normally do, full hotels on wow. build wow. on that level. And what he basically said was, sit down with my boys, with the teams. Uh, and this was just before the lockdown, within oh four or five days of the lockdown, myself and Natalie, my wife, went to meet them in the high-rise building that they own, as you do. Yeah. And we sat in their executive suite in the penthouse on the top floor and sat down with their head of landscaping, head of pools. It, you know, we, we're lucky. It, it, it's like a perfect storm that's come together to make this place within our budget. And even then, it, it, it's a heck of a jump for us. Um, and what that was, was basically a landlord who he owns thousands of properties around and about. And apparently he kind of forgot about this one <laughs> because he has that many properties and it got left for eight years. So with nothing being done to it since he bought it off plan. Um, and as a result, it literally is a barren landscape um, out the back of the property. So what he basically said was, um, don't, be, don't hold back in terms of what you would like uh, and then we will rein you back as we need to get it within um, a budgetary constraints, which I thought was ridiculously brave of him because we obviously were pushing extremely hard to get as much in it as possible. And every pushback that he gave me was practical. It wasn't yeah. a case of landlord being a, a pain in the, in, in the posterior. But what we've done is we've signed a very long, long deal. It's a four-year agreement um, for this property. And the landlord's bet is in four years' time, if he puts in um, a, a great garden, he will end up with a property that is almost close to what he paid for it eight years ago off plan. And that's the scenario now that he's kind of in. He's in a horrific negative equity uh, situation which meant that it was within our budget, um, but he needs to now invest in it to get it back to the kind of level. And the only way you can really do that is to um, have 
a tenant in there that is A, going to look after it, and secondly, had the vision because so many people had walked through this villa and gone, you must be kidding me. Mm. It doesn't even have a garden or a kitchen. It hasn't been lived in for eight years, and you are expecting us to take this on. So there was some real vision, and I was lucky more than anything that, that Natalie, my wife, saw that from the very beginning. And once she could envisage it, I could see the maintenance side really easily. I knew that we'd be fine there. But she could see exactly what she wanted in that garden. And amazingly, for once, she actually listened to me in terms of practically how we could make that happen and what would work and what wouldn't, along with this team of like six people from the landlord's outfit that were the head of their different departments. And every single one of them was extremely capable indeed. So what was, what was step one, Colin? What, what did you went and sat down with them? How did you get, how did you get this ball rolling? Step one was actually before that, which was us, which was we went there and and basically measured it all out ourselves. We also had a plan that had been done, uh, two years ago, I think, for a previous prospective tenant that fell through that was absolutely terrible, I must say. It was a really badly designed layout, but it was great in terms of telling us what we don't want, Mm. which was really useful. So then what we did was we thought about how we as a family live and therefore what's important to us. And what we realized was, first of all, we've got young children and our kids love going on their bikes and their um, scooters all the way around. We have quite a significant paved area. But on top of that, we have a dog and our kids are accident prone. So on that basis, (laughs) we like having natural grass there so that A, the dog is happy enough to do his crazy bombing laps that he does 50 times a day. And if the kids fall over, we want a soft surface for them to land on Um, if they're not on their bikes, which we accept is just going to happen. So trying to get that balance between patio space and grass space was critical as well. On top of that, we're we're really lucky in terms of the fact that we had the opportunity to install a swimming pool uh, and start that from scratch. And for that, my brother-in-law and sister-in-law were ideal because we, they've just been through exactly the same process of having a garden, in fact, another property that had been left for, theirs had been left, I think, for 10 years wow. um, in the villa. And they asked me to go and inspect it. And I walked in through the front door with a real estate agent three odd years ago, and there was a sand dune in their living room. <laughs> wow. It literally went halfway up the window. I just couldn't believe it. And they, they gave me that one and two others to look at. And it was an utter no-brainer to go for this one. Even though it looked horrific, it was totally honest. Mm. And I could see every defect that was a problem on this property. The others had been badly renovated, and I could see the problems that had been covered up and that were just extremely difficult to put right. So that has worked extremely well for them. But they've just done the most brilliant job of their back garden. It's not, theirs isn't a a massive space, but what they've managed to create is like a a really harmonious combination of spaces. They've got a a swimming pool there as well. They've got a a bar with an absolutely stunning um, thatched roof 
um, design over it, which I absolutely adore. Uh, they've got a grass area as well. So all of those components, oh, and a, and a patio. So all of those components within uh, a slightly smaller space have to work perfectly. Otherwise, you're going to have major issues. And they utterly aced it. So the bits, and unfortunately, they seem to always be kind of one step ahead of us in terms of um, <laughs> they do, which is perfect because they are our guinea pigs on so many different aspects of what they do. So they bought these stunning sofas that were on special and they'd arrived the day that we were over for a barbecue. This is kind of six months ago. And I sat down in them. I went, oh, my word. These are just incredible. They were that absolute combination of supportive yet soft, the perfect depth. And I'm kind of a tall guy, so I don't fit in normal sofas very comfortably. And I just sat there and went, oh, my word, these are incredible. And my brother-in-law, Elliot, came over and said, oh, you're not going to believe this. They've got 40% off and it finishes tomorrow. So then the conversation went, well you know what, dude, I really need some new sofas. How offended would you be if I bought exactly the same sofas in the next 10 minutes? And he was like, no, no, it's absolutely fine. So literally there and then sat on his sofas. I bought two of these amazing sofas that got delivered three days later. So now we're in the scenario of he's done the most stunning job on his garden. And we've just taken the elements that he did and we've adapted them for the space that we've got. So what we've done is we've got a, uh, um, an, a two entertainment spaces, uh, one of which I, we've spoken before about the, um, the container the, yeah. the, that I, uh, I designed four years ago now. And that space is wonderful. It's, it's basically a 20-foot container base with all the walls that, um, that are no longer in it anymore. And actually, apart from the base, which actually was a seagoing container, the rest is all custom made. But the problem of it is the width, uh, the width of it is eight foot. And practically speaking, when you try and use that as an entertainment space, it's just not wide enough. Mm. So what we're able to do, because it is designed to be the whole thing taken apart, we're going to put another 20-foot container in front of it, in effect. So that way, instead of 8 foot, the depth is going to be 16 feet. And I only have to buy two cross struts, 16 feet cross struts, to adapt to what we've currently got to double the size. So minimal cost, the same supplier as I used last time will be able to do this for me. And we're going to sink it below ground level this time so that we can pave right the way over that space. Ooh. And then we're going to be putting some kind of concrete bar um, on top of that as well. And I'm kind of hopeful that that bar is, um, I'm going to be able to create a polished concrete worktop myself. So that is the, the project, my YouTube project at the moment is just starting to work out exactly how we would do that. So but call, if it works, we, we'll work it all out from here. So what made you keep the container that originally you talked about trying to sell? What made you decide to keep it and simply expand it? A combination of, I wanted the landlord to spend money in other areas. Um, and we pushed for a bigger pool than he originally wanted to uh, create, but he originally had kind of like a an average-looking pergola 
in the entertainment, the other entertainment space. So I said to him, well, save your money on the entertainment space, put it into the bigger pool that we would like, and I will do, outside of paving, I will do the rest of the entertainment space. So at that point, I had the choice of either building from scratch or alternatively, I, I adore my container. Natalie's still a little bit iffy about it, but she's kind of bought into it for the bigger pool. So therefore, it, it's, it's again compromising and spending the money on the areas that you really want and finding solutions at a cost-effective level for the other areas that's really key. What, what are you doing for pool security, uh, for covering, for making sure the kids you know, who are slightly accident-prone don't land in the soup with their bikes and stuff? Do you have a plan for that? Absolutely not. Uh, No, I have logic. I have logic. My kids are extremely accident prone, but they are never accident prone around water. Um, Luckily, we've seen them at my brother-in-law and sister-in-law's place um, for the last year, and it's never even been close. Mm, So they know that they are not allowed to go anywhere near uh, a pool without us being actively present. and we've never had a compromise on that. So whilst I totally understand and would agree in general that some kind of pool fence, and the original scenario probably would have been um, some kind of glass um, uh, scenario, we just don't feel a need for it uh, the way that our kids are. As for the dog, there is a really good chance that he's going head first, and he does almost every time that he goes um, to my brother-in-law and sister-in-law's place. And it's hilarious to watch him because he can't understand how he could possibly fall through it. And then he just goes, so he literally puts that one paw out where he kind of dabs on top of the water, but he doesn't go through and understand it. And at that stage, he then goes head first, straight in, and is just beyond himself to understand why that's happened. So what we did was, instead of the traditional scenario of there being um, one ladder to get in and out, we've got it in small steps going from one end so that everybody, in effect, will be able to get out easily that way, and most importantly, uh, Rolo or Crazy Dog. Close to the house, far from the house, in the corner, where, how are you doing, how did you decide on positioning of your, your pool? So the positioning came from almost like a factor of the size. It's not small. It's a 10 meter by five meter pool. Um, and when we planned out the different spaces, we basically needed them to A, link together, but use the space that we had as effectively as possible. So things I don't want to happen is if we're going to be here for a minimum of four years, by the time we leave, Dylan is going to be 12. A 12-year-old might think it's funny to climb up on the perimeter wall, which is about 9, 10 foot, and see whether or not he can actually dive from there into the swimming pool. Uh So we had to make sure that it was far enough away for him not to even try that. So that created the space of three and a half meters from that perimeter wall. Um, Conversely, the way that the villa is on the plot there is the potential for us to be seen from the road, which is something that Natalie really didn't want. So we've moved it. So only actually like a meter and a half of the pool could ever be seen. And we've put the sun deck, which goes along with the pool on the opposite end so that we know that we've got that privacy uh, in that area as well. So it's all been about that planning and the interrelation of the three main areas that's been really key for us. 
And then we've got all of the services, which are actually right the way around the side of the house on the other side, where we've now got a, a shrub um, garden, which is going to go over that with high growing shrubs and quick growing shrubs. So that hopefully within a year, that area should be pretty well shrouded. What's, what's your thinking on sound and audiovisual in your backyard? Because I know that you, with your current setup, you've got great sound, you've got great video potential. It, it is quite a spectacular space. What was your thinking for that? So we've got two different scenarios that I haven't decided between right now. I think I can, the most important thing for me actually is Wi-Fi because we just live for Wi-Fi these days. And I've got this mesh system right now, um, which is, turns out it is the cheapest mesh that you can buy Mm. um, from an unknown Chinese company called Tender. But it's brilliant. I absolutely adore it. And what I've worked out is I've currently got three um, three pods, in effect, or nodes, they call them, don't they, with these things? Yeah, nodes. Yeah. Andrew would know more than me. But I've got three nodes. If I extend that to six nodes, then I'm pretty sure that I can line them around the inside area of the house to create coverage all the way around in the garden. I'm pretty confident that will work. At that point... I should be able to then do either a fully networked setup, um, which we've already got in effect, which was an adaption of um, an amazing Cambridge Audio amp that's now 20 years old, um, and some fantastic um, speakers that I've got from an audiophile friend of mine, just a pair of external speakers, but they're utterly brilliant. I love them. So I think that's going to be what's going to go into the bar area. Um, I might go both actually for the swimming pool area as well. Um, and I really love um, the, uh, I, I actually, I can't remember what the model is called, but basically they are a surface mounted uh, green Bose speaker. Right. Yeah. That, do you know the ones I mean? Yeah, I do exactly know what you mean. Yeah. But the sound is just wonderful and they're unidirectional as well. So I'm kind of thinking that that may well be what we use for that area. But Natalie has just absolutely loves Alexa, and um, <laughs> we've got a really good Alexa setup in the current house. So I've got the feeling that maybe she will demand some kind of Alexa integration, um, right. in which case I need to work a little bit harder on them on how I make that happen. Those Bose speakers you're talking about are the Bose FreeSpace 51s. That's yes, yes, yes. Those are the ones, and they're brilliant. You yeah. see them around all the hotels, and for me, that's the cast-iron scenario. If a, a hotel is prepared to invest in them where they're being used every single day and they've got to last, and when you go to a hotel that's, say, five, six years old, and the sound is great, and then you look at the speakers and they haven't degraded after five or six years, that's the kind of speaker that I'm interested in, without a doubt. Oh, and you know what they've also got? They've also got the 251s, which are outdoor wall-mounted speakers, which yeah, are spectacular looking for your bar. Oh. Yeah, I know the 251s. The ones that I've got are actually better than the 251s. Well, there you go. <laughs> <laughs> I looked at 251s in a lot of detail, but no, I prefer, I prefer mine. Um, they, they, they work great. Are you going to have an outdoor entertainment system so you can sit and watch movies when the weather's great as well? Is that on the plan? I've got one, um, but I've just never actually installed it because as soon as you go uh, to exterior and in our environment, if you want to do a permanent setup, you've either got to spend a small fortune on a 
permanent uh, IP rated system. So that's the, the basic yeah. scenario created for outside. Or alternatively, the setup is quite dramatic every time you want to plug everything in. So what I tend to do is um, when we have people over or uh, when there's a special occasion, like I think we did it for Boxing Day, um, we created something that was just magical, actually, just for that night, um, using the laptop, the camera, and uh, actually a bed sheet that worked brilliantly. And I kind of think that almost that Heath Robinson approach for these kind of things makes it a little bit more special. Mm. So... I don't know whether or not I'll do something more permanent for it. But again, the lovely thing about that when you're outdoor is you don't actually need to have the most amazing setup. Um, I did one for my dad's 70th birthday in the UK. I actually took my projector with me because my sister didn't have one at her house um, uh, where, where she lives now. And I put up a, a, a rotating slideshow and projected it on the side of the house of all the pictures from Dad's life. And it was just magic. It really was. And, um, you know, just completely made the night. And that was off a projector that was like 400 dirhams that I bought secondhand out of a school. Wow. You know, it was just wow. brilliant. Yeah. So I much prefer these kind of setups where instead of spending mega money on things, just piece it all together. You know, the old uh, amp that I've got uh, was bought completely up to date with a 66 dirham Logitech Bluetooth connector that uh, means that now we can go straight off phone and it will go straight into the rest of the system that's as analog as it gets. So it's just a little bit of ingenuity rather than having to spend a lot of money on these systems. Now, in your current place, you spent an extraordinary amount of time and uh, effort on redoing your patio furniture, and we've we've got the podcast. There's at least three episodes where we talked about that ongoing activity, and I remember yeah. very clearly Natalie wanted to change the color on that, uh, and and of course you balked and you had a discussion. Natalie's always going to win, so the color will change eventually. I'm waiting for that conversation yeah. to have. It will. I, I know it. I don't. You know. Your wife loves Walking Dead. Don't, just don't, don't worry about it. It's going to happen. But uh, what, how is that? How is that furniture fitting into your current plans? It's perfect. It, actually, the entertainment space or one of the entertainment spaces uh, was designed, custom designed for that table and chairs. Uh, this is a table and chairs that will last another decade, if not longer. We've had it six, seven years now. I wow, think. that's good. But, I think Natalie's Natalie's relaxed a bit now. When you first, um, if you if you restain and restain it the way we have, which was it was protected from day one, and uh, it had just after numerous coats, it had just faded and glazed. So when you then strip all of it back, and I literally took it back to to raw wood, um, and then re- redo it with um, uh, teak oil, it goes extremely red. Mm. And the issue is, and give it a couple of weeks and then a bit of sand gets on it and it tones it down back to a normal level again. So she's calmed down a long way about that. And I'm just not going to paint it. This is top quality teak furniture that's still in great condition. And I'm not about to paint it because you'll ruin it. You've got rubbish softwood, then fair enough. But at the time, this was my big purchase of the year, um, to uh, to get this 
table and chairs. And the last thing I'm going to do now is start painting it. It's um, it's a different quality to, uh, to to painting gear. So she can wind a neck in on that one. And what I've learned over the years, and, you know, as a married man for many more years than I've been, I've learned that nine times out of ten, don't even go there, and I'm not going to have the argument with her. <laughs> one in ten, I'm going into bat, and I'm going to go swinging. So I think now, now that we've been married for, oh, how long have we been married? A decade. So now that we've been married that long, Natalie knows the ones where I'm queuing up, ready to go for it. And then she has a very simple decision to make, which is, does it matter to her enough to actually come swinging back at me? And she does know that if she does do that, is there's a 90% chance she is going to win it, or will she just let that one go? Mm. So... Patio furniture so far, she has happily let go and seems comfortable. She meshed it up with me. There we go. Transfer the custom built space that we've now got for it. Ah, here's another really important point for gardens, which is in any garden, you have a combination of hard landscaping and soft landscaping. So basically, what I'm talking about is and I'm not a landscaper, to be brutally honest, but it's basically grass or fake grass versus um, pavers or whatever that material is going to be. Now, what this was the biggest compromise that we had to make on this garden because, in truth, A, we didn't know a lot about it, but we knew what hadn't worked in our current property. And at the moment, we've got sandstone pavers. So still really nice pavers on the whole, but they're now nine years old they were in yeah they were in for five years before we moved in and they've started to badly delaminate over time the the water that's just got on them uh i guess i don't know whether sunshine has an effect but they really are um failing quickly so i was desperate to avoid um sandstone and my brother-in-law edged his pool in this stunning um uh unpolished granite which is just beautiful. I absolutely adore it. And it has this combination of um, looking incredible, being naturally non-slip because it hasn't been polished anyway. Um, But it turns out it's fiendishly expensive, which is the reason why he only used it around the pool. Yeah. So it was a fair scenario. And the landlord's team would never explain to me why they were still pushing sandstone and sandstone and sandstone until I actually looked up a costing. And I was like, okay, yeah, I get it. I now absolutely understand. And we've got a massive area all the way around the property that is going to be paved. So this is a significant cost for him. So we worked our way through the various materials. I desperately didn't want sandstone for, A, we wanted something that was grey rather than uh, in the beiges, um, just for the overall colour scheme that we were going for. Uh, And secondly, we wanted something that would last, not just for the four years that that we've signed up for, but there's a very good chance this will be uh, a very long-term home for us. So we ended up with um, Trump. Travertine. I think I've said Travertine. that correctly. Okay. Yeah. Travertine. It might be Travertine. Anyway, and that comes in different colors. So we found a silver tra- Travertine. 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 Yeah. Yeah. It is. Enough. Yeah. Travertine. That's what it is. Travertine, Travertine. florum. Travertine clad. Travertine marble. It is a compromised material because um, what I wanted was mm. something that definitely was not sealed. 
I, um, I don't understand anyone that would ever use any sealed pavers in an external scenario. As soon as you get water on a sealed unit, it becomes a massive health and safety hazard. And yet I see it all over the place. It's just insane. So we needed something that was um, would give us some grip uh, for the kids when they're running around, or the dog for that matter. You know, if I, if I decide to go crazy one day. Um, I wanted something that I could easily clean as well. And I needed something that had enough variation in the coloration that if over time it, it either wears or alternatively we stain it with something, it's not going to completely ruin it. So uh, Silver Travertine uh, has, um, has nailed all of that. And again, that came within budget. So I'm really happy with that. Also, I've got history with um, uh, Travertine as well. Uh, it is the standard flooring used inside in the uh, the villas on the fronds of uh, Palm Jumeirah. Oh, okay. Uh, and I've uh, when we've done we've done a number of uh, renovations of those types of properties, and when the final stage is that we pull out. Um, the final job is to polish those floors. And I know that they come up just fine, no matter what's gone over them. And I know that they've got the variation in color as well to hide quite a lot too. So as a compromised material, it, it really, I think I'm, I'm, I'm pretty happy with the choice, but you'll have to ask me again in a couple of years, whether or not we made the right decision. There. And uh, the, you know, the, when you talk about the hard and soft landscaping, just right back to the electricity and all that, that's going to be really easy to run your cabling and all that. I mean, again, you've got carte blanche at this point, right? It's, it's an empty space. So you're in a really fortunate position to put, to put cabling underground in conduits, et cetera. Exactly. But again, the big issue is, like you say, we've got carte blanche right now because it is just a sand space. The problem comes when you try to retrofit. Mm. Uh, and at that stage, you can no longer hide those cables as easily or the cost just dramatically increases. So getting everything right at the design stage is, is critical uh, for us, which is where we're actually the final stage of landscaping that we do need to do is just the, uh, the final um, uh, setups for uh, electricity and lighting where we've got we've got rough uh, locations worked out but we haven't really confirmed um, uh, outlets and all that kind of stuff are you going to are you going to be time lapse photo- doing some time lapse photography of this whole backyard being installed absolutely not uh, <laughs> don't don't have the time james you know if you imagine it's that period at work where it's all just starting to go crazy again ac uh, work is going through the roof we're dealing with covid19 so all that needs to be done and how we uh, we we get through the end of that Uh, we're hiring which is incredible um you know a a real achievement for us considering uh, the the world environment right now and uh, yeah loads of other things to focus on well i i think this backyard sounds incredible have we missed anything that you can think of i mean as you said you've got the soft stuff that'll come after but you've talked about pavers you've talked about designing your space you've talked about your pool sunshades i, I suspect you'll have a few of those here and there or shading options yes that is the still big negotiation is what we're going to use for the roof of the uh, entertainment containers and uh, Natalie wants to go natural, which is really interesting. Uh, actually, when I say natural, I mean um, the standard material on the top of um, containers. Yeah, really? But, yeah, there's technical issues with that, <laughs> and I'm trying to explain to her. 
And I'm not sure that battle, I'm pretty sure I'm going to lose, in which case I'm just going to have to suck it up and um, find myself a welder who's prepared to do that on site. Uh, but again, I'm doing that without it leaking. And oh, it, that's, and also, if you imagine, it's a flat roof. Yeah. So everything will sit on it, which means that, practically speaking, that, that could be an utter nightmare. But I'm still thinking I'm going to have to do that one. I'm mm. going to work that out. Mm. So it sounds. It sounds. This is going to be. Uh, this is going to be a lot of fun. It, it'll be interesting to see how the plan materializes when everything starts going down. Because I mean, best plans are great, but there's always going to be the the nip and tuck along the way. So it'll be interesting to see how it all comes together and and to see what kind of challenges the installation teams have to deal with. I mean, it'll be interesting to have those yeah. conversations as we go. And we will. Um, the one problem that we've got is there's going to be the phase one, which is all the stuff the landlord needs to do. But as soon as I move in, I'm going to be bankrupt. So <laughs> it's either going to be ridiculously ingenious or alternatively a big delay between phase one and phase two. So hold. Uh, it may well be that actually, you know, we'll get to the stage where uh, I'm in a tent somewhere going, James, it didn't quite work out. <laughs> there, there in my tent on my own and yeah, no villa whatsoever, but let's hope it doesn't get to that. Oh, man. As you said, you're hiring, but in, and all sorts of things going on, which is great. We, everyone loves to hear that in a COVID-19 environment and it's starting to get warm here. So people are starting to think ACs again. I think we need to have our, our air conditioning conversation next time. Again, we've had, I mean, we've had this quite a few times when we always put a new spin on it, but I think we need another 10 minutes with Colin talking air conditioning. Yes, and actually, you know, I'm uh, I'm in the middle of working out the thermostat arrangement for the new uh, new villa as well, so I can put that spin on very happily. Excellent. So um, thermostats, um, AC. What else do you want to talk about? Uh, well, we are utterly fully booked right now for AC. Wow. Um, so talking about what you should be doing at this time of year seems to make sense as well. Um, and there's lots of caveats to that. And interestingly enough, you know something that, that I've noticed quite recently, which is um, most people expect us to try and push services on them. Huh. But what I actually want is to minimize costs as much as we can so that people stay with us. So it's almost like a different way of working to a traditional sales environment. And so one of the things I want to do is to talk about how to save money with AC okay. and not necessarily go all bells and whistles, but instead use your money wisely. We know that within this environment, there are people that are losing their jobs. There's people that are, have, uh, are getting massive reductions in salary. So I want to talk about cost-effective methods of uh, keeping your ACs reliable. There we go. That's our next podcast. And uh, I look forward to doing that one, Colin. It's gonna be a lot of fun. What a great show. We did another great show today. What we've covered an enormous amount of ground. And as always, a little bit of information, lots of education and a nice sprinkling of entertainment. So I think everyone, everyone's going to be happy. (laughs) I hope so. It's been fun. Always enjoy these. And which means we, we're going to sign off for yet another one. You have been listening to the We Will Fix It podcast with Colin Thomas from We Will Fix It Dubai and Essential Maintenance Dubai. And we have been talking about backyards, gardens, water, and a whole bunch more. You want to get in touch with us, Podaholics with a K at gmail.com. Follow us on the socials, Podaholics with a K. And wherever you're listening to us from, why not give us a rating? Why not send us a comment? We'd love to hear from you. You've been listening to Podaholics and the We Will Fix It podcast.